TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. To left field. To the wall is Jimenez. Tiger! Number 33 for Cruz. Number 243 for the Twins. Deep down the left field line. Gone! Polanco's 19th. And the third for the Twins tonight. Yeah, 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 on Fox Sports North. But what about the Rally Squirrel? It's the Score North first place Twins show live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes, where the magic number is 34. Rami Makloff, Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. Magic number is 34, Derek Wetmore. 34, you you're it? not kidding. Do you smell the division championship? Twins win, Indians lose. It? It's bacon. Bats break out, and there's a rodent running around getting credit for it. You have an animal. I not- do have I do have Rally Squirrel play well, by play. Why didn't we open with that, man? I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, but come on, man. Of course we're going with that right away. I have Rally Squirrel highlights right here. And the squirrel has reappeared. You could hear the roar, and I figured that he was back on the field, and he ran a sprint down the first baseline and into the Chicago dugout. Ran right between Kepler's legs. It's a brave squirrel. Right through the five hole. That's a brave squirrel. Not the best route efficiency. <laughs> this is my favorite part. He's sprinting, though. 28 miles per hour can squirrels like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stat cast on the squirrel. That was hilarious. That was pretty good, man. Hey, I, I, I stand by producer Manny Hill's decision to open with the Bombas. I, I think those were more important. I'm sorry, I don't. Then we're a show divided I just, today. I can't. Today, the story today is the damn squirrel, man. It led Sports Center. It led Sports Center. The uh, big, of course it The did. biggest national highlights show in the country. But we're not gonna we're not gonna lead the score north first place twins show with Rally Squirrel. It's fine. We, we should talk about it. We like, should. Absolutely. It's a brave squirrel, dude. Have you ever seen a squirrel run between a guy's legs that wasn't trained to do so? I don't know. What choice did it have? It's like running around. Can you imagine how <laughs> terrified that thing must be? Terrified? 25,000, 30,000 screaming people? Rally Squirrel don't care. He don't care. Rally Squirrel don't care. <laughs> Rally Squirrel <laughs> Rally Squirrel was born for the big stage. All right, Derek Wetmore? Rally, yesterday was the moment Rally Squirrel was born for, has lived and prepared his whole life for. That's the tweet. The, the big show. stage. Rally Squirrel was born for the big stage. (laughs) (laughs) I do think it's cool, though. I know we'll get it. Obviously, we are going to talk baseball. We have two hours to talk baseball, but I think it's cool. Like stories like this happen in in memorable seasons, don't they? It's not. I'm looking at an article right now. We don't have to go. We don't have to lead the show with this article, but I'm looking at an article right now from uh, Cut Four. The like the it's like the Major League Baseball like offshoot that does like some of the goofier stuff. Yeah, it's a fun follow on Twitter. And the lighter side. Five animals that change the course of baseball history. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hey, all right. I don't know. You call me off, Manny, if, if I'm wrong here. But you said let's not start the show with it. And, but here we are. Let's get into it. You want to? Uh, roll up your sleeves. Let's go. You want to start the show? Here? We have to. All right, okay. We will get to Nelson Cruz mm-hmm. and the Bomba Counter, which yes. we have our own in the studio. Yes. And uh, all of that fun stuff. 
absolutely we're getting to. But Now, uh, I as, have to say... As that, the great Rami Maclaw said, today <laughs> is about the rally squirrel. I have to say, there are two animals that are not on this list that I feel like are kind of snubs. Like, as good as these five are... Rally Monkey is not on this list. How is Rally Monkey not on the list? That's a little the surprising. Rally Monkey propelled the Anaheim Angels, the then known as the Anaheim Angels, to a world championship yeah. in 2002. So I don't know how Rally Monkey is not on this list. And also Hank the Dog from the Brewers, who is a uh, a stray, scraggly, little, white, fluffy dog who uh, somehow snuck its way into Maryvale Baseball Park during spring training, and the team adopted it and cleaned it up and found it a home, and it became like the unofficial mascot of, again, a memorable season for the Milwaukee Brewers. So Rally Monkey and Hank the Dog deserve to be on this list. But number five on the list of the five animals that changed the course of baseball history, the Billy Goat. You, yes. We of, all, we all know the story, right? You especially. Uh, Billy Goat Tavern proprietor Willem, William Ciantis, Cianis, excuse me, was uh, unhappy that they wouldn't let his goat into the game, even though it had its own ticket. So uh, he cursed. He cursed the Cubs, and uh, 108 years later, they finally broke the curse allegedly and won the World Series. I contend the only curse the Cubs ever suffered was Chicago Tribune ownership. That was the Cubs' curse <laughs> throughout the majority of those years. Bad ownership, and that usually is the case. So wait, Rami, r- very quickly here. Yes, just to veer off just a tad bit. Mm-hmm. Well, we do that so, on this show. So how old were you when the Bartman thing happened? That was 2003, so 2003. I was like 23 years old. Okay, so at that time as a Cubs fan, I'm assuming you were still living in Chicago at the time. Yeah, that was one of the moments where I was like, is this thing real? But you then I it. came to my senses. You bought, it, you bought into the curse little of the bit, Billy Goat at that little time? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Did you? I mean, in a momentary lapse of judgment. Well, hard not to. Right. <laughs> Just Probably like, two like, White Claws deep by the time Bartman hit that ball. And... White Claws weren't a thing. It was Zemo back then. See, that but, year... Uh, that... <laughs> same principle, right? Because, see, back then, I'll admit, at that time, that year in 2003, yeah. I was totally buying into curses because... <laughs> okay. Well, because that same year, the Red Sox, sure. Aaron Boone hit the walk-off to beat the Red Sox in the sure. ALCS yeah. that yeah. year. Yeah. So, that happens to the Red Sox, who were still quote-unquote cursed at the time, and then that happened, the Bartman thing happened with the Cubs, I was like, okay, come on, like, this, this, maybe both of these franchises are actually cursed. Like, like alcohol, anger, and sadness, and despair can affect your judgment, so there was a couple of days where I was like, man, is this thing real? Are we really, like, I never believed in it till now, but are we really, is this damn goat really hanging over our heads? (laughs) But I came to my senses and realized, no, it's just. It's just bad ownership. Just, and, uh, all right, just it's, it's okay. Just just wait 15 and, more years and you'll be all right. And a lot of bad plays. <laughs> a lot of bad plays after the Bartman thing. Not to say yeah. Bartman was without fault, but a lot of bad stuff the Cubs themselves did after the Bartman thing that cost them that series. Uh, and along those lines, with the theme, that in 1969, the Black Cat, okay, who, sure. after the Cubs led the division all season long, and I think they had, like, at one point, a nine or a ten game lead, uh, the lead down to just one and a half games up on the Mets, and uh, they're playing at Shea Stadium. And in the top of the fourth inning, with the Mets already up to nothing, a black cat ran onto the field, made a beeline for the Cubs dugout, ran a circle around Ron Santo in the on deck circle, and then disappeared into the bowels of Shea Stadium. So, don't let me be the wet blanket here by any means, but like, change the course of baseball history. Uh, it's a little much. I think Rally me. Monkey. I think Rally Monkey is more important than. Uh, uh, okay, so we've got number five. We've got number four. Mm-hmm. Let's get the top three on this. Number list. three. This is not a well-known thing. I didn't know it until I read this article. The Rat. 
at Fenway Park. So you know the infamous Carlton Fisk hitting the home run down the line waving, in the waving World and waving it fair. 70, 75 World Series, yeah. Cameramen in that game had strict orders to follow the ball. Every cameraman on assignment for that game, their director told them, follow the ball at all times, no matter what. Um, well, when Carlton Fisk hit that home run, the director is screaming down to the cameraman that you need to get the camera on the ball. And this is uh, the story from, uh, let's see, Harry Coyle, the director at the time. So there were some rats running around with Fisk coming up. Harry Coyle, who was the director at the time, he told me, Lou, you have to follow the ball. This is from the uh, the cameraman. I'm sorry, it wasn't carried, uh, Harry Coyle talking about it. If he hits it, I said, Harry, I can't. I've got a rat on my leg that's as big as a cat. It's staring me right in the face. I'm blocked by a piece of metal on my right. So he said, what are we going to do? I said, how about if we stay with Fisk? See what happens. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? I didn't know that. Okay, that did change the course that of baseball history. That definitely changed the course of baseball history. How many history? kids growing up just hit, if you're a right-handed hitter, just hit that pull shot, try to tuck it just inside yep, the pole. And you're doing the wave. And give you're them doing, the Carlton yeah. Fisk. Yes. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's an amazing That's story, good. which I didn't know about till I read this story. Number two, the midges. It was an unseasonably warm night in uh, in Ohio, and a swarm of midges flew from their nests on Lake Erie in search of mates on October fifth, two thousand seven. And uh, they got remember they got in Jabba Chamberlain's face. Sure, it's one of the greatest gifs of all time. Uh, he'd been unhittable at that point throughout his rookie campaign. Came in in the eighth inning to protect a one nothing lead in game two of the ALDS. Then the bugs descended upon Jacobs Field and Jabba came undone. He walked two batters, hit another, and threw two wild pitches, allowing the Indians to tie up the game 1-1. Yeah. And uh, Travis Hafner hit a walk-off single for the Indians in the 11th, and Cleveland ended up taking the series three games to one. That's right. I did not know what you meant right off the t- I had to Google what a midge was. but it's a, I thought those were gnats. Like a non-mosquito fly. Yeah. Right. So now, but then when you... Brought up Joba Chamberlain, I was like, oh, I don't, yeah, those things, those little pesky bugs, I, I get it now. That now, was, uh, that did change the course of it, because that changed the game. It did. So that and one's a, not like a playoff refutable. series. That's right. And a playoff series. Okay. Um, and number one, and this was written probably prisoner of the moment type of article to put this at number one, but it hits home for us. With recent events of the Minnesota Twins, this article was written in September of last year. Do you remember what was happening? September or actually, of last I'm sorry, maybe September of 2017. Let me see real quick. Is this Yankee related? 2018. September 26, 2018. Well, there was another squirrel. Rally squirrel. St. Louis yeah. Cardinals were making oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a late run. The rally squirrel uh, made its triumphant return for the Cardinals. First showed up in the 2011 NLDS in St. Louis. Not only did it show up, but many experts firmly believe it catapulted the cards to a World Series <laughs> victory. That. The Cardinals were facing elimination in that game four, but won and then won again to advance to the NLCS. The Ronin not only haunted pitcher Roy Oswalt <laughs> by running across the batter's box, but it also popped up to surprise him again in game five as he he was walking to the bullpen. Philly's manager Charlie Manuel wanted it dead. Rice wants this one dead too. This by was the way, in guys. 2011, and then they claimed the same squirrel okay, yeah, came yeah, yeah. back last year. It probably wasn't the same squirrel. Nevertheless, the power of the you squirrel know that. took over the city and its fans, becoming a good luck charm en route to the franchise's 11th Fall Classic title. Never, as read from Cut Four. That was the David never Freeze say, World Series. Yeah, never say that uh, that Cut Four does not have journalistic integrity when they write a 
sentence like, many experts believe that it shifted the course of the series. And by the way, oh, many of the experts do. A guy who's in the headlines for very different reasons these past couple of days, Octavio Dotel. Oh, yeah. Uh, he said, this was a quote from him. Somebody threw a stuffed squirrel to us, like making fun of us. They didn't know that it's our good luck. They gave us good luck to our bullpen. And that's why the bullpen has been so great lately. Talking about the squirrel. All right. Animals can make a difference, folks. They had Animals bees. can make a difference. Was it at Oakland, uh, the Coliseum, where they had like a swarm of bees out in left field that stopped a game? But, but I like this list because they tried to hone in on animals that actually changed the course of, in their words, baseball history. I think I might just say like I a guess baseball the rally, game or two. The Rally Monkey and, Hank, and uh, Hank the Dog for the Brewers, they didn't actually have an effect on a game. I'm kind of curious on these the... These five went on to the field of play and I guess had an effect on the game. Sure, but if they like infuse soul into a clubhouse, right. then yeah. that's that's affecting every game, really, yeah. right? Yep. Raises the, rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, I, I guess I would question how big was the research team on this cut four assignment? It, it seems pretty important to just uh, to farm that out and say, the rat hey, you, story is you great. go take care of that. The rat story is absolutely great. Even if it's made up. Right. <laughs> It's like, That's a great story. It is one of those stories. It's like, yeah, if it's true and you knew that for sure, it's just 10x better. Even if you're just thinking like, this is kind of embellishing after the fact, it's still a good story. I think that the twins have to try and catch the squirrel, don't they? And like make it an unofficial mascot and not just ho- hope it shows up again. You need the you need the squirrel mojo at this point. No, yeah, I don't think you catch it because at that point it's a domesticated animal. You and what you it need. And train it. Just make it comfortable. Get it, give it amenities. <laughs> if you set up amenities, set up a little bed at Target Field, <laughs> a, a nice lounge. You see, he was crawling out in the outfield, and then he hopped into. There was a hole in the wall. I guess must be where he got in in the first place. Yeah, like. Go see what's in there. Do some investigation. I know it's a day game today, so tight turnaround. Oh, we should get it on the TCL TVs in the studio here, oh, by the right. way. But uh, I know it's a day game today, so a quick turnaround. But you got a big research department. You got to have somebody on this assignment where they go figure out, hey, what's it look like in there? Like, where did he, how did he get in from outside, first of all? But second of all, once he goes behind that wall and out of sight of the viewer, and now we can't talk about it on TV, on the radio, mm-hmm. in in news clippings. What's it look like inside of there, and what can we do to make sure this dude's comfortable? Exactly. That would be priority number one. Like, set up a nice little cushy spot for him to sleep in, put some peanuts out. Squirrels like peanuts, right? I think so. Sunflower seeds. Yeah. I... You got to have a researcher on this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't know all of the things. I've seen him eat, yeah, bird seed. Mm-hmm. I've seen him eat that suet stuff they'll, you throw out for birds. eat just about anything. Scavengers. I've always, I've always viewed a squirrel as just a rat with a fluffy tail. <laughs> So, to me, a squirrel—they're—they're they're just like rats. They'll just—they'll eat pretty much anything. She's saying just a bunch of savages behind that wall. Dude, yeah. squirrels are not to be messed with. I'm just telling you I'll, that I right know. now. Yeah, and you I see, definitely. Miguel Sano ran out of the dugout the first day that he ran in there. I was at Target Field, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of funny." Squirrel went in there, and here comes Sano up the other side. He's like, "No, no, no, no." When I lived when I lived in Milwaukee, and especially the neighborhood that I lived in, there were some brave damn squirrels in my neighborhood. I had like a, I had a fence in my yard that had had slats on both sides of the fence, you know, on both sides of the sure. fence post, so yep. they could get in between it. And like and hide and would and would just come out while I was walking out to my car to go to work and freak me out. And then and then these things set up their habitat 
in my attic. Oh, no. In my oh, attic. No. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard squirrels. <laughs> yeah, it's not pleasant. They are, dude, they are, they, they're not the quiet, little, cute, little thing that you think that they are. They, Rats they, with fluffy tails. I don't know what they were doing in there, but they were making a lot of noise. A hey, lot of noise. And I and we like taped the door shut, like because my girlfriend was convinced that they could like flatten themselves like a piece of paper and yeah. like wiggle their way under the do. door. And that's we amazing. were we were freaked out, and we had to call like a uh, you know pest control dude to come and and remove them humanely. You didn't know at the time that their powers could be harnessed for baseball teams. I'm telling you, feisty <laughs> squirrels are feisty. And so is this Twins team. Fully you would have known. We should probably talk about some baseball at some point in the two-hour Score North first place Twins show. Live on Basota, where the magic number is 34. We will do just that right after this on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. My baseball friends, Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you, and I've been one myself. I know what goes into it. You love it, but you're grinding every day, solving problems, taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect you. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and scorenorth.com. A drive to right field. It is deep. It is gone. A home run for Kepler. Number 34. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North is to score North first place twins show live from Bomba Soda, the land of 10,000 ranks where the magic number is 34 and the twins have a rally squirrel. I'm Rami Makloff along with Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. You want to get in on the fun 651-646-8255 or tweet us at SKOR North. We are also streaming live on Twitter, Twitch and Facebook where, uh, yeah, the twins, they have their Bomba tracker out on the right field uh, concourse there. And it's cool. It's nice. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. But we got our own Bomba Tracker. Whoa. And you can see it right now if you're streaming us live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. What is that thing up to now, Derek? What are 244, we 244, babe. 244. It was a uh, big night for the bats last night. And I was just like kind of, of course, we're attention divided. Rally squirrels are one thing. Michael Pineda pitching seven good innings is another thing. The Twins having to come back and win a game against the White Sox when they'd already lost one is yet another thing. It's easy to lose track of the fact that, yep, they keep going deep. Max Kepler, Nelson Cruz, I believe Jorge Polanco. This team, I was looking it up before the show, is legitimately one of the best offenses of the decade. Top to bottom, full season long, it's it's closing in on being one of the best teams of its generation and, offensively. And I don't want to hear juiced balls. I, I brought this up. I don't know. You might have been gone when I brought this up last week, but Jason Stark in his uh, in his uh, what's his his article called at The Athletic? Useless Info? Yeah, stats from the Useless Info department. He was talking about this Twins team and the fact that they're probably going to break the home run record by somewhere between 10 and 15% over the previous record. That's happened like four times with significant offensive team stats in the history of baseball. 
So you, I don't want to hear that this is because of juice balls. Even with the juice balls, what the Twins are doing is very, very impressive with with the bats. It is, and also, I, I guess I'd be curious to see by what percent are they going to break whoever finishes in second this year, right? Because like that's kind of the new record, right? I mean, it's a weird way to think about it, but the yeah, Twins—that's a, that's a fair point. The Twins to go that much above and beyond what has happened previously is still impressive. And I was looking it up. If you're into weighted on base average as a catch all offensive stat, I am. The Twins are second right now, only to the Houston Astros, and it's like one point off. These are these are two of two like historic offenses that I think should get credit whether we're talking about juicy baseballs or not. Yeah, absolutely. The, I don't, the I don't, Astros don't have the benefit of a rally squirrel. That's primary difference. That's true. That's uh, true. So I would expect that gap to close and the Twins to surpass it eventually. And I mean, what's left to say about Nelson Cruz at this point, man? The guy comes back from his tendon pops, and somehow that's a good thing. Ruptures. Ruptures sounds scary. Ruptures, yeah. A ruptured tendon. And somehow that's a good thing. And and I remember we were saying, well, this happened to Justin Morneau, and he came back, but he didn't, he didn't quite have the pop that he did before the injury, and that was his top hand. This is the bottom hand for Nelson Cruz, so let's see how it affects him. It seems to have no effect on him. No problem for that guy. None whatsoever. Uh, yeah, the Score North, I assume this was our friend, social media Seth, the Score North account tweet after his... What do you have? Ten total bases last night. Whatever it was, impressive night for Nelson Cruz. <laughs> Tweeted just a Nelson Cruz gif with, "Who needs wrist tendons?" <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. That made me laugh. I mean, the guy is just a stud. I don't even know what's left to say about him anymore at this point. Yeah. So, like, clear team MVP candidate. His absence was noticeable, not only like stats page wise, but you just watch the games and you're like, "Oh yeah, this is still a nice deep." Offense and Miguel Sano's doing some nice things. Mitch Garver's Mitch Garver. But when you plug Nelly back into the middle there, all of a sudden you're thinking alongside the opposing pitcher, thinking, oh my gosh, how would I ever, how would I possibly get there's the there's the argument third time through the order, a pitcher is going to falter, so that's why starters don't go as long these days. Right. With this twins lineup, you look at it and you're like, how would you get through that once? How would you go through unscathed pitching to Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, Miguel Sano when he's swinging it like this, Luis Rodkaru, arise, arise, Mitch Garver, uh, you know, take your pick, Marwin Gonzalez, who's been white hot for a while, a couple of weeks. CJ Crone was hitting ninth yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, it's like, how do you possibly navigate your way through that? Forget three times, forget four times. How do you get through that once without giving big damage when Nelson Cruz is standing there in the middle, hitting third, doing damage to the extent that he's doing at age 39? It's it's absolutely incredible. I think Roy put it well yesterday, Roy Smalley on the FSN broadcast. He just said, like, this is just a privilege to witness. Yeah. I see th- it's, that's really 39, well put. At 39 to be doing this. I don't get it. It's amazing. You know who else is 39 and was a probably a, a, I would say a much better hitter earlier in his career, a Hall of Fame level hitter. Miguel Cabrera is 39. He can't hit the baseball anymore. Yeah. And Nelson Cruz is still doing this at a very high level with tendons in his wrist rupturing. 
Like that's just to put that in perspective. That's Miguel right. Pro, Miguel Cabrera, who's one of the best hitters of his generation, can't do it anymore at the age of thirty nine because he's lost whatever he's lost. Look, and Nelson Cruz is still doing this. Bodies Miguel. are supposed to break down. Right. That the aging curves tell us that in general players aren't performing this way with the bat at thirty nine, and Nelson Cruz is like. Take this, aging curves. Miguel Cabrera isn't even 39. He's 36. What? Oh, 36. I thought how, I, how old is Albert? Uh, Albert, I think... Albert, I think, is the same age as Nelson. 39, 39. And, and there's... 39. I guess there's some controversy, too, as to me. It's possible he's actually older. No. Yeah. That's, no, come on. That's silly. And maybe so. Maybe maybe he way back in the day needed to get on a Little League World Series team or something like that. <laughs> Miguel Cabrera right now is slugging three ninety three. By good the way, God, too. yeah, that is not good. OPS of seven thirty. It feels like Nelson Cruz is hitting three ninety three batting average. Yeah. I know he's not, but by the way, Jake Odorizzi has found some trouble here in the first inning. If uh, you're not watching the game, follow along with us here on the Score North First Place Twins Show. If you are watching it, just turn the TV down, turn your radio up, and uh, enjoy the game along with us. But two White Sox runs here in the top of the first inning. Two nothing bad guys. Two nothing. <laughs> Thanks, Hawk. Appreciate it. Well, he'd call them the good guys. But I'm calling them the bad guys. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, no, and... So Nelson Cruz raking, that's obviously a good thing. But if a week ago you asked me what needed to happen for this Twins team to end the way we want to see it end, Derek, Nelson Cruz getting healthy and back to being Nelson Cruz would be one of the things in my list of top five. And these might be the two things at the very top of this list. The other would be Jorge Polanco getting right and figuring it out. And that guy... We all thought he needed a day off to 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 get back to this level, but in the last two or three games, Jorge Polanco looks back to being Jorge Polanco, including uh, a solid night last night with yeah, the bat. Yeah, I still might give him some time off. Just like if, as, if this lead stretches out, you kind of want to see some strategic rest. And I guarantee the Twins will do it if they're in a position to do it because Rocco Baldelli is sort of at the head of this pyramid of people who believe Rest and recovery is hugely important. It's why Mitch Garver, despite being one of the more impressive hitters and certainly one of the most mm-hmm. improved players in baseball this year, is not playing every day because he's he's a catcher. You just find a way to preserve the body, save your bullets if you can. And I think for a while there, the Twins' depth was stretched because of injury and stuff like that. And that's natural. It's going to happen throughout the course of a season but if the Twins get back to like a full complement of players, yeah, you'd still like to see Jorge get his days off. Max Kepler get his days mm-hmm. off um, preemptively. Like they gave Kepler a day off because he was pulled from a game with uh, like heat exhaustion, reportedly. Oh, uh, that's not when you want to give a guy a day off. Right. You want to give a guy a day off so Before he starts the heat exactly. Right, yeah. He starts feeling good and like, no, I had some rest. And oh, this is what it feels like to have a spring in my step again. I got to tell you. Never played through a Major League Baseball season, but I've got to guess that after grinding for months, going all the way back to spring training, and probably your training regimen before that, in mid-August, nobody's got a spring in their step. Right. You get a spring in your step if you get 20 days off and you kind of your body has recovered a little bit. Um, you're talking about the two things, Jorge's on the list, Nelson Cruz on the list. I'm throwing Byron Buxton on that list. And I'm throwing starting pitching. Let's see what you got. Let's steady the ship. Let's go back to being one of the best rotations in baseball twins if you're going to try to, you know, make some noise in the American League. Not just go to the postseason. Not just hold off the Indians. Make a little bit of noise. I'd like to see the starting staff start to round out, too. And to that end, 
Michael Pineda last night was an underrated component to that victory. Agreed. To get seven innings out of that guy in four runs, you'll you'll take that every time. And it looked like he ran into some trouble early. I think it was around the third or fourth inning, and there was a couple of runs already in. But he really, really steadied himself and gave the Twins something that they need. And you're talking about the the how the Twins compare to other teams around the league, Derek, and and that spring in your step. I think every team at this point, if you're contending for a playoff spot, will take seven innings from a starter and and give the bullpen a a nice a nice easy night at at this point of the season. Absolutely right, because it sets you up for today's game. Right now, you got Jake Odorizzi on the mound, and as you just said, I'm, I'm watching over my shoulder on the TCL TV. But you I just told me, view. I think Manny said it was two nothing bad guys, and. Yeah, Odorizzi got a much-needed double play to get out of that there top of the first inning. For, for starters, yeah. ain't over. Like, obviously, we don't need to even say you that. for two runs cool. is enough? You don't think a two-run lead is safe against the Twins? I don't know. Giolito's a pretty good pitcher, but that's uh, that's a stretch to say. <laughs> Twins pounded him last time they faced him, though. Yeah, that's right. That's true, And too. he hasn't been the same Lucas Giolito since and, the All-Star And they got break. to Reynaldo Lopez, who'd been solid right. going back. So, like, all right, hey. This is a strong offensive team. We're not breaking any news. They're not telling any secrets by sharing that one. But I think about games like what Pineda gave you yesterday, and then they brought in, what, Tyler Duffy, Sergio Romo to combine for an inning. Trevor May closed the door when it was like a felt like a 100-run game. That was, it, was, it was over. You needed to go through the motions, perfunctory, three outs. Finish the game, great. Cool. That sets you really well up for the following day. I'm constantly thinking about that with pitching staffs and bullpens. Now you've got Taylor Rogers, Sam Dyson. You could probably ask Romo to go today. So if I'm Jake Odorizzi now, I'm not so worried about having to throw eight in and get 24 outs. No, get these guys out, keep them off the bases, keep them off the board. And then I know if I get to a certain spot in the game, one, the bats are going to break out. It's a matter of time. Two, I've got three, four, five guys down there to finish the job that if I need to hand off the baton, I still feel good about that. Because the mindset of a pitcher changes the way that he attacks a hitter. And if if the Twins' bullpen was taxed last night, Jake Odorizzi would come out and have that rough first inning. He gives up two runs. I think he faced six batters altogether. I don't know how many pitches he faced. I could just pull up the box score and find that out. But after that, he might be going, man, I... I still got to get another five innings out of this day somehow, at least, just to give my bullpen a day off. Now, he has that rough first inning, and yeah, you'd still like to see him go five or six innings, but he knows he can go out there and attack hitters and and throw the best gas that he has, and if it is an early day, well, the bullpen is, is well-rested and ready to go, and like you said... Those bats should be able to come back and score at least two runs and even the staying up yeah. at some point. Yeah, I've, t- I've talked to pitchers about this same kind of mentality and relievers too. Hey, you know, you're in a, you're in a tie game or a one run deficit game there. And I don't know if you can put like this is maybe too strong to say it. You're given a boost by knowing the bats can come back. I, I, maybe that's too strong, but I do think there's a real psychological component to knowing hey, I'm not just marking time out here. Mm-hmm. I'm not just treading water. I'm not throwing 25 pitches just to get through with today and we'll get through this inning, we'll get through this game. Yeah, we're going to lose, but I'm saving the better arms in the bullpen. I don't think that mentality really exists to the degree that you, you might expect on a Major League Baseball team. I think with this Twins team, and there are some other clubs that you could throw in this mix too, the Yankees, the Astros, certainly the Dodgers. I think if you're out there and you're down two runs, and you're pitching in the seventh inning, Ryan Harper, 
Right. I do think that there is a mental boost psychologically to being able to say, yeah, no, I'm I'm going to go put up a zero because it's doing a job and it's going to help this team win. I think you get a little mental lift from the knowledge that, oh, hey, Nelson Cruz is coming up next inning, so whatever happens here, we're good here. Right. And you can go out there and, and I think you go out there with the idea that there's a little more on the line. When you when you feel like you can win, you can actually win a baseball game despite the fact that you're down, you go in with and you feel like there's a little more on the line and you have that little bit of extra juice. You know what I mean? Oh, I think yeah. It, it definitely has an impact. Same as getting an early lead. That was one of the things that I noticed when this team was in a bit of a rough stretch. Other teams were scoring on them first, and that can completely change how a pitcher approaches the game. Even with this offense, that can completely change the way that a pitcher approaches the game and the opposing team's offense. So scoring early, getting a night like you got from from Pineda last night, all these things have an effect down the line and how a pitcher performs and attacks hitters and 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 approaches the opposing team's lineup. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I, I think that I've seen a lot of... Well, in fact, let's get into a couple of Twitter takes that I've seen recently. All right. Because I will say this. The majority of people that follow me and, and interact with me about the Twins on Twitter, A+. Plus, 10 out of 10. But then, you know, you get the you get the Ds and the Fs, and they call it your judgment of thinking like, oh, Twitter doesn't know what it's talking about. Wrong. Twitter knows what it's talking about. There are some bad eggs and some bad takes out there. So one of them was uh, felt like that the Twins should have traded Nelson Cruz at the deadline for some pitching because you don't bash your way through October. Rami, I think you and I both know that's not true. The name of the game... That was a real take? That was a real take. Somebody said trade Nelson Cruz for pitching. Yeah, somebody said that. Yeah. Okay. After yesterday's 10 total bases. Yeah, there's a weird time for that Miguel Sano I can get. And Judd was saying that going... Somebody said trade Nelson Cruz for pitching. That's what I'm telling you. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. I don't even know what to say. I'll response. let you digest that. I but... can't. Okay. That's coming back Trade up. Nelson, like right now? No, no, no. I mean, like, Before you know, the, at the deadline. deadline. Right. Yeah. That was a take someone had on Twitter. That... Yeah. So I'm not saying I agree with it. And I'm saying most of Twins Twitter would probably okay. say, like, what? So don't let that color your judgment of, of the world out there. Um, but yeah, just like talking about the fact that, you know, you don't bash your way through October and we'll see what happens. We, we will see. But remember, the world champion Boston Red Sox were criticized for not having done enough to fix their bullpen at the trade deadline leading up to a World Series that was won by pitching, hitting, defense, you know, pitching, starting and relieving. So... I don't think you can just say there's a formula, this is how teams win in October. Otherwise, everybody would just go do that. And the teams with the most resources and who got the best injury, health, luck, would win every single year. And baseball would stop being fun. Baseball is fun because there are multiple ways to win a ball game, win a series, punch your ticket to October, and then try to march through the playoffs. And pounding your way there is one method of doing it, and it's working. Scoring 14 runs is a fairly good recipe that'll usually do it that'll usually get you to the playoffs gotta think you like your odds with this pitching staff to get 27 outs before they score 15 runs most nights most nights 
Yeah, probably. That'll probably get it done. Even if your pitching ain't that great, that'll probably get it done. I got to run some takes by you because I was listening to your drive time show yesterday on, on my drive home. Mackie and Judd with Rami, weekdays 4 to 6 here Fantastic. on North. Thank and, you. Yeah, it was it was a great show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they ran the first hour without you because you were off doing some top secret twins mission. Um, I was... I, I, I let the cat out of the bag of what I was doing there yesterday. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, okay. I was, I was there in, investigating the rigged TC, the Bears softball oh. home run derby. That's, I was trying to get to the bottom of this scandal. Uh, Full listen. expose coming soon. You guys have no idea what's how going deep on this goes. and how deep this thing Is goes. Is this like Unsolved Mysteries worthy? <laughs> Manny, telling you, man. Do we need, do we need to, to raise Robert Stack from the grave and have him goes narrate deep. this? This goes Really, really this deep. Goes all the way to the top. <laughs> Join me. That's right. We're gonna get what Dave St. Peter on the show tomorrow. Solve a mystery. <laughs> it's gonna be an hour long expose podcast. Those I'm gonna are, be honest. Those are all the rage now. These, You're my uh, friend. I like doing this show mm-hmm. with you. It's been great yeah. for six, seven months here on the Scoring yeah. on First Place Twin yeah. Show. But I think Manny would take my back saying uh-huh. that the bear doesn't need juicy baseballs or a rig competition to beat you in a softball I'm hitting not saying, contest. I'm not saying how they rigged it. We'll save that for the special, the special expose podcast that I'm putting together right now, but I'm just telling you, shenanigans. I, I think you just have a hard time coming to grips with that might be it Manny. they're just beating you that might be it and you were so confident going into it rami you that can't you even gonna, see that you were gonna win you made it a write that down prediction that you were gonna win that home run derby contest mm-hmm. it's hard to see the ball even coming in through that bear costume and he still beat you mm-hmm. you guys will see, you guys will see you'll find out what happened so i was about to take your back and yeah. defend you for something that happened on the show yesterday that I actually was like kind of, I was so offended that I texted you during the <laughs> Twins game yesterday. <laughs> and, I, and I said, my text was literally just four clapping hand emojis. Tighten it up! <laughs> I was so offended by what they were doing that I had to come to your defenses and yesterday's events really kind of helped paint the story of what, I, we don't have time here before a break, but let's get into that next. I do want to talk about where you were 100% right, Rami. And where I took issue with your co-hosts, the way they treated the first game of this series when the Twins lost to the White Sox. Yesterday's bludgeoning by the Twins, Mm -hmm. I think, helped back up your point and backed up my point as well. A, thank you. And we'll get into that after the break. B, Manny, I made sure I made no noise while he was saying, Rami, you were right. Make sure you get that (laughs) for completely out of context use in the future. It's the Score North First Place Twins Show, live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 ranks, magic number 34. Rami, Derek, Manny, back right after this on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. The Score North Twin Show. Have you guys ever wondered what it's like to be a twin? On Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, it's Score North download time. It's 1244. This download brought to you by... Robert W. Baird and Company. I'm Manny Hill with you on this uh, gorgeous Wednesday afternoon. And the score of download uh, features a little breaking news in the world of the Minnesota Wild. Sources are saying, according to uh, the Athletics' Michael Russo, that the Minnesota Wild have uh, named their fourth all-time GM in Wild history. At least sources are saying right now uh, that it is uh, and will be Penguins assistant GM Bill Guerin. So it's sounding like all indications that Bill Guerin, assistant GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, will be the fourth general manager in the history of the Minnesota Wild. So there you go, folks. Is that a good thing? Is that something Wild fans are going to be happy about? I mean, the Penguins have 
had some success. The blueprint: get yeah. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Malkin. Yeah, <laughs> you're off Make to a the trade races. For Phil Castle. <laughs> get those good guys. So, who knows? That's just scoring off download. All right. I'm guessing there will be a a hockey, a hockey show podcast coming soon in reaction w- to that news. I would imagine there probably will be with one. Uh, Judd Zelgad and Declan Goff. We got a couple people that you couldn't keep off a hockey podcast if you tried. Right, exactly. Which is what you want from your local sports talk radio station, and we provide that for you and everything else that you need at Score North on fifteen hundred ScoreNorth.com and the Score North mobile app, where you can stream all these fine shows live, rack up points, get rewards for doing so, because we love you. You can also download and subscribe to all your favorite podcasts, listen to them whenever you damn well please, and it's your one-stop shop for all written content from scorenorth.com, as well, including Derek Wetmore's thoughts on your Minnesota Twins, five thoughts column going up there yesterday. We uh, started off the show, of course, talking about Rally Squirrel, and I know you had a couple things, a couple takes you want to get to here in a second, but Brian tweeted in, says, uh, speaking as someone who has lived in both the Twin Cities and currently live in the middle of nowhere, I can say that squirrels in the Twin Cities area do not give a F about people who can damn near walk up and pet one on in the Twin Cities area. In yes. rural areas, you can hardly get within 20 feet of them. One once climbed down a tree when I was in my stand hunting, got like five feet from me before it saw me. So it got so freaked out, it fell out of the tree. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, if you're a, if you are a, if you're an urban squirrel or a suburban squirrel crawling around the mean streets of Edina, I think you're less worried about a shotgun coming out and taking, uh, Take an aim at you, like our friend, our mutual buddy Patrick Royce was advocating. Uh, his his solution to the rally squirrel was quite a bit more violent than what I would do. I want to just make his home comfortable, so he sticks around and keeps the bomba bats rolling. Pat uh, Pat wanted to take more of a uh, full to Minnesota approach to it, and is Pat not a fan of the rally squirrel? Pat, oh, Manny, can you help explain this to Rami? Like. Pat is one of my idols. How do you hate Rally Squirrel? And it is not surprising in the least that Pat would take the stance of anti-Rally Squirrel as everyone in the Twin Cities and surrounding area. As far as Bomba Soda stretches, as everyone starts to get excited about it, Pat runs 100 miles an hour in the other direction. Who gives a damn about a damn rally squirrel? Get a base hit. (laughs) You know what caused a rally? Hit a double. Hector Santiago. (laughs) How about a rally Hector? Yeah, he's right. Hit a a double. Who cares about a damn squirrel? You can't say he's right. The soft underbelly of that bullpen helps. That's great. But... Listen, we don't know definitively that Rally Squirrel did not win that game for the Twins yesterday. Well, if you're put, if you're putting together a pie chart, I think Hector Santiago's got to be on the list. Sure, yeah. All like right, 60% Squirrel, 20% Twins bats, 20% Hector Santiago. Okay, all right. That's a fair distribution to me. I think that's me. a fair pie. Plus, I want you to throw that ratio at Royce. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, we'll get him on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's, that's that's a fair distribution, and I'm Thank not you. worried about him listening, by the way, to, to hear that. It's, I wasn't buttering him up when I said he's one of my idols, because we started the show by talking about the Rally Squirrel for 15 minutes, so I know damn well Pat's not around anymore. I know he is no longer listening to the Score North First Place <laughs> Twin Show. He'll say, to heck with it, I'll try him again tomorrow. What is wrong with you three? <laughs> I'm a little surprised. A I'm a little surprised you didn't drive in from Golden Valley, open up that studio door right there, and start asking us questions about why we're not talking about uh, Tyler Duffy instead. Usually we'd get a call from Pat in Golden Valley. 
Riley at this point. Manny's probably screening him at this point. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for the call. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the warm line to dial in. Uh, good stuff. You can t- dial in 651-646-8255 or tweet us at SKOR North. You said before the break, Derek, that you had a couple of... Were they Twitter takes that you wanted to run by me, or are these your personal takes? No, I had a well, I had a bone to pick with your co-host. Oh, that's right. Um, from yesterday's show, when they put you on the spot, you got back from your se- top secret uh, d- double. What's the word? Double secret probation. Mm-hmm. I you, your secret mission so secret that not even everybody on our staff knows what you were doing at Target Field yesterday. Exactly. You got back from that. You hopped in the studio, and they put you in the hot seat and said, "Was that a bad loss for the they Twins yesterday?" Me is they ambushed They did. They really they railroaded you, and it was a six-four Twins loss. Uh, here's the thing: hundred win teams lose sixty-two games. So just they, sh- they should keep that in mind. That's all I was going to say. But then they they teamed up on you. Really, is what they did, yeah. and said this was a horrible loss. This is a bad loss. Please admit it. Or we will administer some unethical forms of torture to you in the studio right now. And you were like, nah, man. They just they lost the ball game to the White Sox to open a six-game homestand against some bad teams. Big whoop. Yeah. And they they were not happy with that. Not to say that it couldn't have been a big loss. It could. I mean, at this point, there are big losses. The games feel like they mean more. Even though they're all one game in the standings like they were back in April and May. These games feel like they mean more than they did before because there's more immediate impact when you look at the standings and, and how close the end of the season is. But you're going to lose games. I mean, did anybody think you were going to go undefeated down the home stretch here? Okay, so that's what I wanted to get to. Not to cut off your steam here, but it's like it feels like now that the Twins are good and they're up on Cleveland, was it three games coming into the show, two and a half games, and the magic number is dwindling, and we've been talking about it since it was triple digits. Yes, we were that committed to the bit. It feels now, Rami, like everyone, sensical and non, who follow the Twins, Go bananas anytime they lose a game. Somebody pointed out to me yesterday, they're like, well, we won four of our last five. Rami, you and I were standing in the dugout. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I was part of the covert secret mission or anything like that, but I posted. You just happened to be there. I mean, you're on assignment. I'm on assignment. Well, I did see you sitting by Luis Arise in yes. the dugout, and I snapped a photo of you guys. I put it on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. So a little bit of misdirection there on my part at little Derek bit. Whitmore. A little bit. There, <laughs> I just like. I don't get why we have to melt down anytime you lose a baseball game, even if it's to a quote-unquote bad ball club. The White Sox, not a great team. They're pacing to lose 90 games this year. They've been better since the break, but I'm not going to argue they're a good team. But if you lose game one of a series, and if that happened in April, I think we'd be like, oh, okay, well, we'll see what happens tomorrow and uh, go get them the next day. That's baseball. Yeah. And now that it's happening in mid-August and the Twins are in first place in the American League Central and they're vying for not only a season spot, but some potential home field considerations here too with the Yankees, with the Astros, with the Indians, as we mentioned. Now it feels like we have to melt down after every loss and nothing short of sweeping the rest of your games is going to be acceptable. Right. I'm just not on board with that. And their point was that you let you let Jose Abreu beat you when John Jay was standing in the on deck. Oh, circle. you made a bad pitch. Right, exactly. You, you, Kyle Gibson was trying to go up. 
He didn't get up. He left a cookie in the middle of the plate. And Jose Abreu did what Jose Abreu does it's when a, he gets cookies. It's a worse loss if John Jay or some other White Sox rando beats you. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, Jose Abreu right, right. beats a lot of guys. <laughs> there you go. He's a really good baseball player. He can do some things with the bat. So that doesn't that doesn't bother me so much. And it wasn't like you had a late lead and defeat was snatched from the jaws of victory. Coming into the series, you had 26 games left. Against the White Sox, Tigers, and Royals. Did you really think you were going to go 26-0? and 0? I mean, it would have been nice. No, you were going to lose some of those. And to lose it that way, to me, doesn't feel as bad, and I don't think is as bad as blowing a late lead or, or a number of the other painful ways that you can blow a game. I don't think that's what happened yesterday. I think they just lost. Or two days ago, excuse two me. Days I think ago. they just lost. Well, and that proves my point, too, that then you go into yesterday's game and you score 14 runs against the White Sox to win game two. Now you got a chance in the rubber game here, day game. Yes, you have to make up some ground. You're down 2 nothing as we speak right now. But my point is just that, like, if we weren't melting down about them in April, can we please not melt down about them right now? Bad losses, to me, are... An important starter got shelled and or hurt. And Taylor Rogers pitched two innings, Sergio Romo pitched two innings, and Sam Dyson pitched two innings. And now you're going without your high leverage guys tomorrow. That's a bad loss. Everything short of that is just like baseball, man. Unless, unless, and while it's not while it's not my mindset, I can understand and appreciate the mindset of somebody who says, at this point, they're all big losses. Because the stakes are that high. Because the the Indians have closed a gap, they're within what three games now? Is that the division yeah, lead at this point? The game, yeah. They're within three games. I mean, I just don't agree with that. At, I don't agree with it. Look, you you're not measuring where you're at on August twentieth. You are measuring how many wins you have at the end of the season. If you're the Twins and you get, I guess that's what I'm railing against. Is like the Twins should not adopt this mentality that we all have from the outside. And I consider, for the record. Your Honor, let the record show. I think Phil Mackey and Judd Zalgad are incredibly well-reasoned, level-headed sports fans. Okay. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is my soapbox. Let me have it. <laughs> Having said that, I don't appreciate the football mentality that we've now applied to the end of a baseball season just because it's fun and they're close and this is Bomba Soda, the land of 10,000 rakes. I, again, it's not my mindset, but I can understand that. But that's not even what they were saying. They weren't even saying at this point all losses are big losses. They were saying that loss in particular was a big loss, and that I I can't agree with. Yeah, they're wrong. I can't see where they're coming from. Rami was right. Mackie and Judd were wrong. You got that, Manny? We're just going to cut all the clips from the show that say Rami was right, even if it's Rami saying it. I'll I'll make sure Jonathan starts the show. (laughs) Yes, it's a compilation. I just wanted to say... I was listening to the show yesterday, and they were sort of teaming up on you. And <clears throat> Rami Makloff, great baseball mind, you were right. Thank you. And, I wanted to make sure I left enough room for editing and cutting, and I didn't. I didn't want to step on that. Let, so. let me ask both Thank of you guys. You. Let me ask both of you guys this though. Yeah, is it fair to look beyond the winning and the losing against the White Sox in this particular series? And look at some of the things that go on during the games that may raise your eyebrows a little bit or may show some signs of yes. concern. Yes. Because I go back, again, I go back to the thing I had yesterday about Rosario's throw that was off the mark on uh, on Monday night. Like, things, little things like that, forget about them losing the game. Little things like that is what I see that concern me 
as far as this team going to the playoffs and making some noise in the playoffs because those little things, when you get in a high-leverage situation against a, a top-notch opponent, like the White Sox, whatever, you know, the Tigers, whatever, you do that against them, okay, you can probably still beat those teams if you have little mistakes in the field and things like that. But if you're going up against, like, the Astros, the Yankees, if you get matched up with the Cleveland Indians somehow in the postseason series, those little things, you know, Polanco, you know, throwing errors and, you know, Sano booting the ball around in the infield, those little things add up. And if you don't clean those things up, they're going to cost you a playoff game and ultimately send you home. But at at this point, I mean, those that's... For all the great, all the good things that the Twins have done throughout the season, mainly hitting the crap out of baseballs, like those things you're talking about, Manny, are those are that's those are the faults, those are the holes in the Twins game. I yeah, mean, they're not perfect. Miguel Sano didn't just start kicking around baseballs. Eddie right. Rosario didn't just start missing leadoff men, and yet here we are on pace for damn near a hundred wins. You know but, what I mean? They they. They have their ways of overcoming it. You'd rather they didn't do that. You'd rather they were the perfect baseball team, but find me the perfect baseball team. But my counter to that would be, okay, they didn't just start doing those things, but this team as a whole this year just started putting themselves in World Series com- uh, conversations. Yeah. And this they, is this is uncharted territory for them, and they, at least in the last you know 10 years, certainly. But they did it while still doing those things. Yeah. Put themselves in the World Series conversation. Teams that win 100 games are are in that conversation no matter how they got to 100 wins, in my personal opinion. So that's where I'm at. It's like, I'm not a moral victory guy. There's no such thing as a good loss. There are bad losses and there are losses. Both of those categories exist. But I just it's it's impossible for me to say a 6-4 loss to the White Sox on a nondescript day in August is a bad loss. It's a loss. Right. Go get them tomorrow, score 14 runs, get them in the rubber game, win the series, and then welcome the 112 loss Detroit Tigers to town. That's how. One series at a time. Get through it. Don't overreact and panic and freak out when there's a loss, but march on. And right now, uh, trailing the White Sox 2 to nothing, top of the third inning out at Target Field in the finale. And rubber match of this three-game set between the Twins and the Brewers. Another hour of the Score North First Place Twins show live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes, right after this on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A dual operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.